Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. American needs individuals who not only recognize that righteousness exalted the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Hello and welcome to of God and man, the show that can tank like none other. <laughs> this is your host, Brum French, if you want to reach me. You can reach me at 210-854-8029, or you can reach me by email at the letter B, the letter F, the at sign, B-R-A-H-M-F-R-E-N-C-H dot com. That is BF at Brom French. Dot com. If you've missed it, another Russian aircraft was shot out of space or was forced to land in a crash. The first one happened in Egypt. ISIS claimed responsibility for it. This one, however, was done by the government of Turkey. They say that they warned the aircraft on several occasions and the warnings were not heeded by the Russian pilots. And so the Russian aircraft was shot down. Putin, no doubt, will have another word on this. However, this is not this what we expect. Is this not what we have coming? The world is in chaos. Nobody knows where or who is the world superpower anymore. Ever since 1989, it was clear that it was the United States of America. However, today, this is no longer the case. There is no supreme superpower, and Russia will go after its own objectives and do what they feel and what they want, and there is no Churchill, there is no Reagan, there is no FDR to stand up to this, this tyranny, whether it be Putin or whether it be radical Islam. We have a president that won't even address and call radical Islam what it is, and they will not refer to terrorism as terrorism. This is what we've gotten because we have no leadership in the White House. All that comes out of the White House is a cluster of confusion. Our enemies are now our friends. Our friends are now our enemies. We have nothing but a world of frenemies. That's the combination of friend and enemy. That's the world we live in. Our friend used to be Britain. Now they are a frenemy. Our enemy used to be Iran. Now they are a frenemy. Our greatest ally in the Middle East was Israel. Now they are a frenemy. Nobody knows where they stand, nor do they know where the United States of America stands. And because we have not sounded with a clear voice, this is what we reap, because it is what we have sown over the last several years. Our NSA, our non-transvestite NSA operative, continues to keep me informed. One of the things he sent me just, uh, I believe it was today, maybe it was yesterday, he sent me a video going back to the Fort Hood shooting just after. They did an interview with a couple men standing outside a mosque in New York City who were trying to convert moderate Muslims to now moderate, in case you do not know, there is no such thing as a moderate Muslim. The Quran is very strong on this. 
moderate Muslims, moderate Islam is not a true Muslim, not true Islam. And so there were extremists, radicals, terrorists standing outside a moderate so-called uh, mosque trying to convert those that would come out into waging war or jihad against Americans. Their hero was Osama bin Laden. We are seeing a crazy world. Donald Trump had said the other day that those in Jersey rejoiced when the towers fell, those Muslims in Jersey, to which a bunch of reporters said, no, that's not the case, that's not so. Thank you, my non-transvestite NSA operative, sending me an email that, guess what? He was right. Donald Trump was right. They were rejoicing. It was reported in at least two different papers. So uh, we got a media that doesn't do their job. We've got a president that does not do his job. What is it going to take? Can I tell you what we need? First of all, we need more people that are willing to be like Benjamin Netanyahu, the only sound voice of reason in recent times. And now finally, he has been accompanied, whether or not he knows it or not, or whether or not the president of France recognizes it, they are now finally on the same page. Obama, however, is not on the same page. If you listen to any of the speech after today's meeting, you will find that the president of France is very strong. We've got to go to war. He's passionate about it. But our president... Not so much. He sounds like Ben Stein, the same Ben Stein that does the Visine commercials, where he speaks very monotone and does not have any reflection or any inflection in his voice. And so the president had no inflection in his voice, speaking about the need to go to war with ISIL. Refuses to call it ISIS. He'll call to it. He'll refer to it as ISIL. We'll not call it Islamic terrorism, but uh, he refused to get passionate about it. If you want him to get passionate, however, mention a Republican. Mention a Republican that says he believes Obama's policies are in error. Obama will surely get passionate then. But this war on terror is not something that interests the President of the United States. The United States. However, the French President, and Benjamin Netanyahu recognize who the true enemy is. We need in this nation, in America, we need another Churchill. We need another man who will sound a clear sound. The Bible talks about a watchman standing on the wall. They say that the Bible declares that if the watchman's on the wall and he sees the adversary coming and he does nothing and the people die, that the blood is on the watchman's hands because he said nothing. But if the watchman will sound the alarm and the people die, then it's on the people's hands because the watchman warned them and they did nothing. Government, this government, has done nothing. We have sat back, they have sat back, they have watched, they refuse to call an enemy an enemy. They refuse to speak clear. They refuse to sound a clear sound so that the world knows where America stands. And this is exactly why we're in the situation that we are in. Churchill, we need you. But Churchill's not going to come from Washington. First of all, let me make sure we understand. Churchill is going to be found in the American people. In your vote, in your voice, 
your voice needs to be heard in Washington. And your voice will not be heard by the likes of Hillary Clinton. Your voice will not be heard in the likes of Bernie Sanders. Your voice will not be heard by the extreme left or the Democratic Party that is today. However, there are some on the Republican side that will sound that clear, louder. We need to tune in our ears and hear what they're saying. We need to key in. If ever we need a Churchill, we need it now. But on top of that, that won't be just enough. We've also got to return to the Lord. We've got to return to prayer. We've got to be willing to arm the populace. And we've got to hold on to our liberty and our freedom with everything that's in us. Let me take a break. When I come back, we will go through the Quran, and then after that, we'll go through the Bible in a quadrillion years. Hold on just a second. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. American individuals do not only recognize that righteousness exalted the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And we are back. And we are about to go through the god-awful doctrine of Muhammad, the Quran. However, real quick, just before we do that, if you have recognized the last while we have looked at uh, the Quran references Medina over and over again. Well, I got an email from our non-transvestite NSA operative and uh, come to find out Medina it was originally a Jewish settled community that Muhammad took over and within five years killed all the Jews uh, or extinguished them, got rid of them, chased them out of town. And so now we understand when it mentions Medina in the Quran, what exactly it's talking about. That puts a whole lot of, more of it in perspective. Now let's go through that God-forsaken book. And there it is, the sound of the car crash, the collision, if you will, of Christianity and Islam, or Chrislam, or... Judaism and Islam, or sanity and Islam, because Islam will not suffice with any three of these. You cannot be a Christian and be a Muslim. You cannot be Jewish and be a Muslim, nor can you be sane and be a Muslim. So we are in the Quran. We are looking at the second chapter called the cow. I kid you not, it is called the cow. We're picking up at verse number 92. We're going to go down to verse number 95. This is what it says. And indeed, Moses came to you with clear proofs, yet you worship the calf after he left, and you were polytheists and wrongdoers. And remember when we took your covenant, we raised above you the mount, saying, hold firmly to that to what we given you, and hear our word. They said, we have heard and disobeyed, and their hearts absorbed the worship of calf because of their disbelief. Say, worst indeed is that which your faith enjoins on you if you are believers. Say to them, if the home of the hereafter with Allah is indeed for you specifically and not for others of mankind, then long for death if you are truthful. But they will never long for it because of what their hands have sent before them, i.e. what they have done. And Allah is all aware of the polytheists and wrongdoers. 
So we're going to back up and look at verse number 92. And indeed, Mohammed, or excuse me, indeed, Moses came to you with clear proofs, yet you worship the calf after he left. Now, I'm assuming that they are talking about when Moses went up to the mount to get the Ten Commandments. I'm assuming that's what they're talking about. But Muhammad is speaking, and supposedly Allah, which doesn't really exist, is speaking about the followers of Moses, which was, now Muhammad didn't come into the picture until the 600s AD. And Moses and the Jews left Egypt a long time before that. But why mix with facts? So, so we're assuming them that this is, uh, well, anyway, let's, let's continue. Came to you with clear proofs, yet you worship the calf after he left. Now, this must have been the time he's talking about when Moses was gone so long that they told Aaron that Moses is gone, and so they built the calf. And you were polytheists and wrongdoers. Granted, they did worship a golden calf. Very true. And remember when we took your covenant and we raised above you the mount, saying, now wait just a second, and remember when we took your covenant. So did Muhammad take the covenant? Was Muhammad circumcised? Nowhere have I ever found this the case. As a matter of fact, they don't even know what color of calf they're supposed to sacrifice because they've referred to it as the yellow calf. And that's nowhere in scripture. And so, remember when we took your covenant? No, they didn't. Never once. And we raised above you the mount saying, and again, it's the we, as though Muhammad and Allah are the same, or as though uh, the prophet Muhammad is as Allah or as their God. A uh, doctrine of devils, folks. A doctrine of devils. We took your covenant, we raised above you the mountain, saying, hold firmly to what we have given you and hear our word. They said, we have heard and disobeyed. <laughs> okay, let's wait just a second. That's not quite exactly how it happened. If you remember, Moses asked a question and said, who's on our side, speaking of himself and the Lord? And the Bible declares that the Levites said they were on the Lord's side. They went and stood by Moses. And uh, so again, just wrong. It's, it's as though Muhammad is only going off of what he's heard and never actually opened the Torah to see what it said. And their hearts absorbed the worship of the calf because of their disbelief, say, worse indeed is that which your faith enjoins on you if you are believers. So it's even worse if you worship the calf, if you believe there's only one God. I'm assuming that's what they're trying to say. Say to them, if the home of the hereafter with Allah is indeed for you specifically and not for others of mankind, then long for death if you are truthful. Now, this is a very important context because we have already seen, and it's becoming more and more plain, that Islam worships death. Islam worships the dead. It worships, this explains suicide bombers. This explains why they terrorize by dying, and they're not afraid to die. They worship death. Judaism does not worship death. True Christianity does not worship death. Islam, however, does. We see it clearly. If the home of the hereafter with Allah is indeed yours, uh, for you specifically and not for others. So now they're saying that if you don't want to die, not that you're not willing to die, but you don't want to die. See, there, there is a big difference. I hope you understand this. There's a big difference between being willing to die and wanting to die. 
I, I'm willing to die for the faith of Jesus Christ. Does that mean that I'm going to commit suicide? That I want to die? No, because I'm not stupid. But then again, I digress. Unfortunately, some people that have crazy, absurd doctrines of devils want to die. Not that they're willing to, they want to. So let's continue. But they will never long for it because of what their hands have set before them. No, they're not going to long for it because they're not insane. Oh, heaven help me. What they uh, But they will never long for it because of what their hands have sent before them, i.e. what they have done. So here Muhammad is claiming that the Jews are not going to want to die because of the golden calf? What sense does this make? Where is this anywhere in scripture? And you got to think that Muhammad's writing the Quran 600 years after Jesus. He's writing it to Jews as though Moses was just with them like yesterday. And saying then that they don't want to die because they worship the golden calf. Um, that wasn't quite the same Jews that you're writing to. What an arrogant, ignorant man. A doctrine of devils. And Allah is all aware of the polytheists and wrongdoers. Yes, God is aware, but God is not Allah. And anybody that worships Allah worships a God of devils because it truly is a doctrine of devils. Let me take a break. When I come back, we'll go through the Bible, a real book, <laughs> uh, God's true word. We'll go through it in a quadrillion years. Hold on just a moment. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. American individuals who not only recognize that righteousness exalted the nation, but see as a reproach to any people. And we are back. And we're about to go through the Bible in a quadrillion years. We're in Genesis, Genesis chapter 41. We're going to pick up at verse number 42. We're going to try to get, I repeat, try to get to verse number 48. Genesis chapter 41, verse number 42. The Bible says this, And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen, put a gold chain about his neck, and he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had, and they cried before him, bowed the knee, and he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name, bleh, 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 and he gave him to wife, the daughter of bleh, 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 priest of On. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. And in the seven plenteous years, the earth brought forth by handfuls. He gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt and laid up the food in the cities. The food of the field, which was round about every city, laid he up in the same. So let's back up. We're not going to go through the whole story again. Hopefully you understand. If you need to know, go back and listen or go read the book yourself. There's a novel idea. <laughs> so we're going to go back and look at verse number 42. Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand. Now, in case you don't know, the ring was a sign of authority and power. 
And so Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, has taken his authority and his power from his hand, and he has now put it on Joseph's hand. He has elevated Joseph to that place where God destined him when he was still back with his family before he was sold into slavery. He is now finally elevated to that place. And he has arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And so now everywhere Joseph goes, he's known based on what he wears, he is connected with the king. That's why you and I shouldn't be dressed in rags like dogs or beggars. And I'm not saying, please don't misunderstand me, that you've got to have the best of everything. But I do believe you need to hold your head up because you are connected to the king. And he made him to ride in the second chariot, which he had. And they cried before him, bow the knee. Isn't that interesting? If you remember Joseph's dream, Joseph's dream was that knees were going to bow to him, that stars were going to bow to him, crops were going to bow to him. And he dreamt that his siblings were going to bow to him. And now we're seeing it is unfolding. His dream is coming to pass. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh. Uh, duh. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. He said, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or his foot in all the land of Egypt. In other words, I'm Pharaoh, but I'm giving all my authority and my power to you. And so now you are next to me, the second cherry. Everything I've got, you are now in control over. This is the same thing that happened when he was in Potiphar's house. Potiphar didn't know what he had because Joseph was in charge of everything. And so when he was cast into prison, the prison keeper didn't know what he had because Joseph was put in charge of everything. Now he's in Pharaoh's home and Pharaoh doesn't know what he has because Joseph again is put in charge of everything. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name some unpronounceable thing. I'm not even going to try. And he gave him to wife some girl. It was, and hey, that's another good sign. It was a girl for those of you leftist loonies that embrace homosexual marriage in Christianity. Shame on you. Even Joseph in Egypt married a woman. <laughs> and it was the daughter of the priests of On. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. And so now he's in control of the whole territory. He's going everywhere, looking, checking it out, seeing how. Everything is going. He is in charge, orchestrating the seven years of plenty in preparation for the seven years of lack. Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. This is an interesting thing. I believe the Bible says things on purpose. He was 30 years old when this finally came to place or came into place. When it finally happened, he's 30 years old. Some of us have had dreams. I had a dream. I wanted to be a preacher from the age of two. I wanted to be an evangelist for longer than I can remember. Most of my life, I was secretive about that. However, now, after I'm in my 30s, it's finally happened. Sometimes we, re we wrestle to try to get what God has for us before our time. And when we get it before our time, it falls apart. Because we pushed 
instead of allowing the Lord and the process of time to unfold. Don't deny the progress and the process. God will use the process to make you, Joseph. The Lord will use your process to make you the man or the woman that he's called you to be. Embrace it. Embrace the time that you are in Potiphar's house. Embrace the time that you are in prison. Embrace the time that your siblings threw you into the pit. Embrace those times because God's going to use it. And eventually he will elevate you and you will see your dream come to pass. It might be 20 years, 22 years before you see it all. But just hold on. God's not done yet. Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. And in the seven plenteous years, the earth brought forth by handfuls. And so there was plenty. There was no need. There was no lacking. The vegetation was great. There was great increase. There was great income. And he gathered up all the food of the seven years, which were in the land of Egypt. And so now... Remember, we are looking at the beginning of communism, which will eventually take down the Hebrews. It was instituted by a Hebrew and will eventually destroy the Hebrews and be a part of what chases them out of Egypt. And so he's gathered the food of the seven years, which is in the land of Egypt, and laid up the food in the cities, the food of the field, which was round about every city, laid he up in the same. And so whatever city grew it, they had that local storage where they placed it. It was held there for the proper time for the seven years of plenty. Then when the seven years of drought would come, they would have food. One of the best things, but unfortunately you've got to remember, I believe it was Reagan that had said bureaucracy is the closest thing to eternal life that we will ever see on earth. <laughs> what Joseph did will save them for the seven years of drought, but it will never disappear, and it will eventually destroy them. It will eventually lead to their slavery. It will be their demise as a people. This is always the case. You need to remember this. It would say that it reminds me of the toll roads. My wife had told me she used to live in upstate New York, and they've got toll roads going through upstate New York. And if you're going to drive through there, you're going to have to go through the toll roads. If you're going to go maybe New York City, almost any place you go, you're going to find these tolls. And unless you've lived there, you understand, or you can put it in your GPS to avoid them. But these toll roads, when they were instituted when they were put in they were put in solely the toll was put in solely to pay for the road and it was supposed to be a time frame we're going to have these toll roads for 10 years until the roads paid off and then we will get rid of the tolls and you'll be able to drive the roads for free well 10 years passed 12 years passed 20 years passed the toll roads are still there you're still paying and now you're paying more than when it was first instituted this is exactly what happens in Egypt this is what happened in the Soviet Union this is what hap is happening in America social security was great during the Great Depression it saved many people but today it is a chokehold or has a chokehold on the nation and we cannot be solvent while we continue to go in debt food stamps another 
we cannot help but see the problem with socialism, fascism, or communism. It constantly will eat its own. So, Joseph, you've got a dream and you've got a vision, but while you had that place of power, one thing I don't see in the Word is where they ever relinquished the tax that they placed upon the people. The tax is never dissolved, and it is set up for the next generation and the following generation and the generation after that. Lord, help me. I want the generation after me to be better and to have it better than I had it. Joseph, you've sold the people, or you saved the people temporarily, but you sold them a bill of goods that will eventually lead to their demise. However, he does still have this dream, and God is going to bring it to pass. It is going to happen. We're getting close. The day's going to come where his siblings are going to come to him. The dream that God gave him, the dream God gave him so many years ago, is going to be unfolded in front of him as his siblings gather for a morsel of bread, for a piece of corn, for a piece of grain, for a piece of wheat. They're going to come into Egypt, they're going to bow before him, which was his dream. Dreamer, keep dreaming and hold on to your dream. Don't despise the progress or the process. Even if it takes you 22 years or even longer to get to what God has placed in you, you hold on because he will bring it to pass. Not a dream from the pizza you ate last night, but a dream right from the throne room of heaven. If God gave it to you, you hold on. He's going to do it. The king's going to put his ring on your finger and everybody's going to know the relationship you have with the king. Thanks so much for listening. We will talk to you later.